Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, the movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. It's time, once again, to join your hosts Q and J in the writer's room for an Other Stuff 2 discussion you'll definitely agree with. High Five, the podcast, is not responsible for your agreement or disagreement with our discussions, but if you don't agree with us, you're wrong. And now, on with the show. Doobie-doo-doo, talking streaming services. Doobie-doo-doo. That should be High Five, high five Streaming Services? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good business model for down the road. You know what? I don't think anybody's doing it yet, but we should really get into the game of like streaming full movies uh, through some sort of device in people's homes. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that'll take. We that'll could catch call it, on. We could call it Fiverr. Ooh, yeah. Fiverr. No I one's like done that, that either. Net five. Net. Ooh, Fivex. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Five ooh. Hive mind. I love, high, high five mind? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm Q as always. With and I'm Jay with the flu voice. Ooh, it's a sexy flu voice. Thank you. I'm I gonna like start it. like a folk rock group, and I'm gonna name it Dustin. Ooh, I'm into yeah. it. Yeah, Dustin like from Stranger Things. Exactly, Dustin for a bustin. I don't know if that's gonna be my slogan. Probably not. Dustin for a bruising. That I, doesn't work either. Um, cruising for a Dustin. Mustin for a Dustin. Mustin for a Dustin. Gross. <laughs> that sounds. That gross. sounds really. I think really we should stop gross. with this, and we should probably get into our other stuff too, and start it out with a high five. Ah, uh, sure. High five. Don't high touch five. me. You have the flu. Moody and stuff. stuff. I love your stuff. Weird stuff. Sensitive stuff. Taxing stuff. Evil stuff. Piggling little stuff. Heavy stuff. Big boy stuff. Super cool stuff you wouldn't understand. The right stuff. The rhythm with it. But like when it's a bunch of hammers at a construction site, is that tick tock tick tock tick tock? I just want, <laughs> I just want all construction sites to to have uh, Stomp be their foreman. <laughs> well, that would. Do be you the, think that's a reference that people even get anymore? Is Stomp a relevant thing? I we should probably mention Riverdance instead. Oh, true. People like love that's Riverdance. the that's the thing is that all construction crews need like an on hand like on staff beatboxer. Ooh. So like when they're making noise like donk donk, he's like he's like making a he's making a, a thread line in between. In between, it. like that way, at least it's when it's construction and it's annoying, like going on outside the writers' room. Right. At least it's enjoyable and you can get a decent beat. To Could it. we start a streaming service only featuring construction noises turn into music? Yeah, I I would really like that. I mean, it's niche, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it could find its audience. Well, the, that's the thing is that we're going to have to find, well, we're going to have to figure out a way to work the cat calls into the melody. Sure. So it'll be like, it'll just be like, hey, sweet tits. Nice butt. I don't know. Yeah, no, I love it. I'm into it. So that almost be the rap. It's like two live crew, but it's more like two live construction crew. <laughs> two live construction crew. <laughs> Why is that so funny? I don't know, but it needs to exist. <laughs> it does. It does need to exist. I feel like somebody needs to do like one of those YouTube mashups. Oh, man, like that fucking Billy Joel HP Lovecraft Ooh, shit that's been like yeah. taking the internet by storm. Yes. And I've, confusing a lot of the internet. Totally. About how much they like it. They're like, should I like this? I should like this. Totally. Because it, I mean, it, it has to be known. 
H.P. Lovecraft, <laughs> not the greatest dude. No, a no. Noted he's racist. Notable dick. Right. Uh, but his poetry is pretty fucking good. I mean, and and his stories are pretty, are pretty scary. Pretty fucking scary. And everybody loves Billy Joel. Yeah. He's an American treasure. So it's like he could he could be pulled into that, like that mashup. We could have like a red man and foreman. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like it. Thank I'm you. into it. Thank you. Thank you. 100%. I've got to keep drinking water because I'm still getting over the flu and I sound terrible. I know. That's why I didn't let you touch me when we high five. <laughs> I know. We had to air five. We had to, like, insinuate a five. You know what? It's the effort that really matters is what I've been told. Sure. Um, that's, but man. What, that's what I've been told my entire life. They're like, hey, <laughs> it's, it's all right. It's the effort it's that matters. It's the effort. They, they, bless your heart. Yeah. You, you did it. Yeah. You tried. Aw. You know, do or do not. There is no try. But you. Right. But, you but you. For you. You There's tried. a try. There's a try. You're you, fine. You You're did fine. good. You did good. So what's been up, man? How are you? Uh, well, I'm better today. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, as I told you before the show, I was in a fog of just unconsciousness and flu. Sure. From the day after we recorded uh, last week to a day and a half ago. So gross. I have been doing nothing but laying on the couch and like watching movies and trying not to die. Amazing. So, well, hey, I've succeeded from me in both of those and all of the listeners. I'm sure we can all agree that we are very happy that yeah. you did not die. Well, I so thank you. I appreciate that. It's very considerate um, of you. I, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't want to be contagious. I definitely didn't want to come over to your house and get you sick. But I hope my love of movies is contagious. But <laughs> <laughs> you're fired. Uh, I need another. Fire. I need. You should have died. I need another co-host. <laughs> Stat. Everyone send send their resumes to my five at highfivepodcast.com. Your resume must consist of a headshot, a butt shot, and your left and a ankle. nut shot. <laughs> headshot, a butt shot, and a nut shot. No cuts, no butts, no coconuts. That's what I'm saying. And we'll oh. see. We'll see if if I mean a, a uh, scintillating nuts or like just a sack of peanuts. <laughs> Get creative. Get creative. I'll pick one. I like scintillating nuts or like ugly, gross, droopy nuts. <laughs> right. One of those. Hashtag replace Jay. That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> we'll th- that's our goal this year in High Five of the Podcast is let's see how quickly we can replace me. <laughs> Amazing. I'm into it. That's what they say the leader does is he delegates. So I'm after your bad joke aside, I'm glad you survived, but I assume you used the majority of your time to watch movies, probably slightly <laughs> incoherently. I, di- I did, um, and uh, I'm glad that you brought that up uh, unrelated to anything of you watching me pull up the list of movies sure. that I watched on my phone. So weird how I segued into that. <laughs> so you want to hear what I watched? I do. And you can actually see kind of the progression of the movie, like the fever movies were at the beginning, <laughs> and then the more coherent movies were at the end. Sure. Um, so we started with Geostorm, who <laughs> is, is right. Uh, oh, it's it's a trash fire. Don't watch that. Amazing. Um, it's, uh, it, it's not even one that I could say watch out of like a hate watch. Sure. You know, it's not even a so bad it's good. It just... None of it makes sense. I I um I listened to a podcast today. I can't remember. Maybe it was uh, We Hate Movies. I think oh, they did Geostorm. I recommend their episode yeah. on the movie more than the movie. Okay, fair enough. It was pretty funny. Their it's, episode was pretty funny. So yeah, hats off to the We Hate Movie guys. They nailed it with Geostorm. Everything they said was none of it was hyperbolic. Amazing. Everything was right on the money. And uh, so from what I gather, it looks like, and they even echoed it. It looks like a sci-fi channel movie. Like, 
Like it looked like it. Sh- I have no idea how it made it to it, theaters. It honestly wouldn't have surprised me if I found out it was Asylum. Like it's terrible. Like it doesn't make sense. It's not coherent. You can tell there were rewrites along the way. Characters disappear for no reason. Um, there are plot elements that get introduced that don't need to be there. It should have just been about this it global storm. somehow has Ed Harris. <laughs> and he's like a big deal in the movie. How did they get Ed Harris? I don't know. I have no idea. He's like, yeah, I'm done doing Mother that's going to get nominated for a whole bunch and didn't actually get nominated for a whole bunch. Um, so, yeah, let me jump on over to Geostorm. Yeah, before, before I get into Westworld Season 2 <laughs> of my critically acclaimed television series, let me just go ahead and pop off this little Gerard Butler. Yeah. Can I use a rocket flick. launcher? Great. Excellent. Like, that's what I end. want. Wait, no, I can't. I can hand the rocket launcher to somebody else. Even better. Like, good enough. So, don't watch. Don't it's watch ter- that. It's awful. All right, so strong um, don't watch Geostorm. Strong don't watch. Okay. Uh, we watched Happy Death Day. Oh, yeah. What did you think? Meh. Yeah. It was, I didn't hate it. Um, I remember when you watched it the first time you came, you came back and you were kind of vehemently mad at it. Right. Um, I was mad because I felt like it had pulled so many punches. Right. And which I noticed, by the way, especially us after, after us talking about it, I totally noticed those punches being pulled. Um, it's getting a lot of love though, which is weird. Like it's getting an inordinate amount of love from the horror community, which kind of confuses me, which I honestly, having seen it, don't really understand the love either. It's, it's just fine. It's a clever premise that could have been done better. Right. I think the main actor girl does. Oh yeah. Of the character of tree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like her nerdy friend. Yeah. I like, I think the people in it do fine. I think the the twists that you that you know you and I have already talked about I won't ruin on the show uh, are contrived. Sure, they're unnecessary. Um, yeah. And then just a lot of it is kind of like why, why this, why right. this direction, why this can format. I, can I, I mean, say that I recently found out and I didn't realize because it recently <laughs> released on Blu-ray and mm-hmm. DVD. Um, it apparently okay the DVD and Blu-ray compact with an alternate ending and apparently the alternate ending was actually the original ending of the movie oh, and after did, test screenings didn't do good the audience was like this is shit because was of the, the ending what was the well, that's what ending? i want to tell you no. it's actually so much better i would have i would have it might have changed my opinion on this really movie. well the ending is kind of what ruined it for me right. i didn't bo- i didn't mind it not being super bloody and gory like sure. i'm okay with that but the ending it was the last 25, 30 minutes where the whole time I was like, okay, I can't, I'm so, not on board anymore. Spoiler alert. Uh, Tree is basically the main character. She's getting killed over and over. over, and over she's and over reliving again. the same day, a la Groundhog Day. And she's the whole premise is she's trying to figure out who killed her so she can avoid it and stop it so that she can end her repeating of this right. day. And the movie basically ends with her thinking it's this killer, which she stops. But then she finds out that it was actually all uh, somebody. So the killer else. was trying to kill her, but it was also her roommate well, who was trying to kill her. Here's here's one thing that that I'm I'm not sure that that whatever. Yes and no. Sure. The the person who was trying to actually kill her released that prisoner right to make it look like, like to give that, a scapegoat right. 
so he's not the one like trying to kill her except in like one or two instances right. when it's actually him. So then it turns out it's somebody else. Yeah. She kills this person. I, I'll leave that mystery still intact sure, in yeah. case you want to watch it. She'll, she kills this person. Kind of gets away. Like, there's no repercussions for the fact that she just killed right. this person. That was one of the biggest They're literally problems. at a restaurant, like, hours yeah. later, like, well, somebody just got murdered. That was one of the biggest problems for me is that they the end of the movie makes it feel like everybody is in tune with her going through the day 8,000 times and she's justified for her actions. When the reality is, in the timeline... She walks home that same day and kicks someone out of a window. Right. <laughs> so for an argument that nobody saw. Right. So there's definitely like, some there sort questions. of like right. You're going to the police station. Right. You're not just going to be hanging out and yeah. jokingly planning your date with your nerdy friend who you now have a crush on because he who also doesn't remember the rest of <laughs> right. what you've gone through. So that's like it. It logically it didn't make any sense and it kind of ruined it for me. I was like, well, that's just a shitty ending. And then they have that fake out like joke, like where they try to fake it. Yeah, so it, it seems like she's whatever, still whatever. Yeah. okay. Well, the original ending. Uh, Everything pretty much happens the same, with the exception of after the fight with the person okay. who she kills, finally, the real killer, she goes into the uh, uh, hospital. Okay. She's taken to the hospital because she literally just had the shit beat out of right, her. Right, she did. So she's in the hospital, and her dad's there, and the nerdy guy's there, and they're like, I love you, and she's like, I love you too, and then you know, she's like, hey, nerdy dude, you still owe me a date, wink, wink. And they're like, okay, well, you get better first, and we'll see about that. A nurse or the doctor comes in and is like, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? And she's like, I'm hurting a lot. And he's like, well, due to all the trauma in your body, because that's something that they, they mentioned earlier. Know, yeah, we can't really give you any medication right now because it, uh, we don't know how your body's going to react. So you're just going to have to deal with it a little bit longer. And she has this funny line where she's like, if that's the worst I can deal with, I think I can deal with a day. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. He leaves. A nurse comes in and goes to her IV and she's like, um, excuse me, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I have your medication. And then and she's like, uh, no, the doctor said I can't have any medication. And the woman proceeds to continue to inject medication into the IV and pulls her mask down. And it's the professor that she was fucking's wife. And she goes, did you actually think I was going to let you fuck my husband? And then tree the camera closes up on tree and she goes, You've got to be fucking kidding me. And then roll credits. <laughs> and I was like, okay. like There's a bunch of people trying to kill this guy. And I'm fine. Like, to me, it's like either one of two things is going to happen. She's going to die, die. Or the cycle is going to keep repeating. Right. Because I didn't like the fact that her character, her character didn't have a Bill Murray arc. No. So her character, for me, didn't get redeemed by doing the few small okay things that she did. Thank you. Thank you. So she didn't deserve a <laughs> happily ever after ending. I kind of like this darker ending of her may just be right. fucked and stay in this state forever. Right. Like, it may be one of the plethora of people that she has... Shittily pissed off in her life that will always try. Right. And it's like come it, kill now her. it's not a murder mystery. It's just Final Destination. And then it also kind of then I started thinking about it and I'm like maybe this is hell. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe she died and she's in hell and literally nothing she does can get her out of hell. Right. Like everything will always be out without or out of her reach. Right. So in my mind, 
just that alone led to so many other thoughts that it made the ending better. That I was like, I'm still thinking about it. I would have still been talking about that right. movie had it ended that way. Apparently, audiences thought it was super shitty. And so because the, they've never seen a horror movie. Yeah, they thought it was too dark. They didn't like the fact that that the the heroine of the movie had gone through so much and then was still subjected to shit at the end. Oh no. Right. <laughs> so I um I didn't like that. And yeah. so yeah, so the studio panicked as they do normally and they changed it and they reshot the ending there to the ending that you have now of which I was not a fan of. Yeah. I'm not that wasn't the biggest fan. I mean, it's fine if you like it, you like it, whatever. I'm not going to judge you for liking it, but I you know, it was meh for sure. me. So, so yeah. Uh, let's see. We watched uh, Goon Two. Oh, how's that? Goon: The Last of the Enforcers. Um, you know, the first Goon is surprisingly good. Have I, you seen I it? I have not seen it. It's uh, <laughs> Sean William Scott and Jay Baruchel. It is. Um, the first one is surprisingly good. It's kind of one of those that snuck under the radar, but for some reason had a lot of heart and is is good. Like I'm, I would recommend it. Like the first right. Goon. Sean William Scott is really great in it. Interesting. Um, the second one is the epitome of an unnecessary sequel. Like, it's fun to go back to the world with these characters. It's fun to see Sean William Scott do this. Um, you know, Leif Schreibner's back. They brought in a bunch. You know, everybody came back. Uh, but it's just unnecessary. Um, it was fine. You know, if you liked the first one, watch the second one. I would recommend to you to watch both of them. Okay. It's not as good as the first one. Um but, you know, Allison Pill is in it. Um, I like her. Uh, Jay Baruchel actually directs this, right. this one. Um, uh, Alicia Cuthbert is in it. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of, like, good actors in it. Um, it's fun. It's fun. You know, a lot of blood, a lot of fighting, a lot of silliness. Interesting. Um, a lot of just random raunch humor. Uh, Baruchel lo- lo- loves that, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, it's good. All right. Uh, let's see. Moving on. It's the, the other two were, were real good. Uh, we watched Last Flag Flying, Richard oh, okay. Linklater's new one, yeah, which was great. Okay, um, I mean it's you know Brian Cranston, Lawrence Fishburne, and Steve Carell, so good. It was a, a spiritual sequel to The Last Detail, which is a Jack Nicholson movie from okay. the seventies. Um, it's not really related, but it kind of is. It's based off the same book series. Okay, um, and it sort of follows the same path. So The Last Detail is about these two uh, Navy guys who get commissioned to take this younger Navy guy who's been basically sent to the brig, or he's going to prison. And they are transporting him from a base to the prison. Okay. And on the way, they decide to kind of give him his last day out, and they take him to a bunch of bars and oh, okay. get to know him. And it's just, you know, it's, that one feels like a Linklater movie. It's sure. just three guys talking. So this one is sort of that. This is Navy guys all grown up. And Brian Cranston... Lawrence Fishburne and Steve Carell were all in the Navy together in Vietnam. And Steve Carell's son has died after joining the the, the Navy SEALs after 9-11. Oh. And he's going to collect the body, and he's going, you know, asking these two old Navy guys to come with him for reasons that you find out along the journey. But really, it's just a two-hour, you know, watch Brian Cranston, Steve Carell, and Lawrence Fishburne Act their asses off. I was off about to say, act their asses off. And have great conversations. And I mean, it's a, it's a Link Ladder movie. You know, it's not a lot happens, quote unquote. I mean, sure it does, but it's just very, very entertaining to watch. And 
you know, the things they talk about are really interesting and they bring up interesting points about, you know, the military. One of the things that, excuse me, one of the things that happens is Steve Carell finds out that his son, like, didn't die a hero. And Mm. he basically wants to bury his son as his son and not in Arlington. He wants to bring him back to, like, his hometown, you know, bury him next to his wife um, in the family plot. And it's, like, kind of a big deal, and the government doesn't want to release the body to him, and but they kind of have to. sure. Um, and so it's kind of about that, and it's kind of him dealing with the grief of, you know, he might have been a Navy SEAL to these people, or he might have been, you know, something else to these people, but to me, he was my son, and right. I want to honor that memory of his whole, like, identity as opposed to just him being military. Sure. And it's just, it's that, and it's really interesting, and it's them basically trying to get the body across multiple states to his hometown. And it's good. It's, like, really good. I'll have to check it out. Um, And the other one was another Bryan Cranston movie, is uh, Wakefield. Have you heard about this one? I don't even know what that is. Okay, this one is directed by, man, I cannot remember her name. She's a female director. She was a screenwriter for, like, Little Women... Um, and a bunch of other like really big ones, but basically, Brian Cranston plays this lawyer who, on his way home one day to his wife Jennifer Garner and their two teenage daughters, decides to kind of hide out in their garage and spy on them to see what they do when he's late. You know, to see like I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm not. I'm just right. going to kind of existentially step out of my life and watch, watch what what, happens. what they do. Because I have a good vantage point from the like the attic of our garage, right? And then he falls asleep in the garage and spends like the whole night there. And it sort of is well. Now I've taken this too far, so I can't just walk into the house. What do I do now? Okay, well I've got to wait for them to leave work. I've got to lay this, but they don't leave for work. She calls the cops now. She's like, well now fuck, I might you know have done something illegal. So now I have to hide. And it basically progresses with him stepping quote unquote out of his life for like nine months and living as a homeless person in his own garage, just watching his family deal with him, not be there and what they do. What? And that's the whole that movie. sounds amazing. It's pretty crazy. Good. And it's kind of one of those, like we were watching it's like the fuck is happening, but it's kind of like, yeah, I've, who hasn't thought of just like, what if I just didn't go home today? Right. But he found a way to do it. And, you know, a lot of it is, is unbelievable. I mean, I'll give it that. Right. Um, but man, it's very intriguing and very good. It's on our stream at all. That's where we saw okay. it. Okay. It sounds like a super interesting yeah. plot. Like it seems very <clears throat> odd. Now, let me, let me say this about it. It is very in its own mind of what it is. It is very like white privilege, okay. upper middle class mindset of, you know, what if I just stepped out of my life? Right. And, you know, cause the, the, the family is fine cause they're pretty rich and right. they have people to look after them. Like it doesn't really go into the socioeconomical issues. Like how would this impact your family? Exactly. Like it would other people. Um, and so in that, it's kind of up its own ass in sure. that regard. So it's kind of naive when it deals with some of those issues. But if you're willing to accept the existentialness of it, 
Sure. Then it's very, very interesting. If you want it to connect to some deeper societal meaning, it's not going to do that. And it's kind of naive to a lot of that. Sure. But if you just watch it for what it is, then it's super interesting. And the ending, it's kind of one of those cut to black, oh my God, what happened type of endings, which which I appreciate. Well, I can get down with that. I'll so, check that out too. Like I said, we, we watched a lot. We kind of worked from the worst to the best. Well, I will, uh, I'll throw in there one thing I watched, which will actually segue um, into our topic. Oh, great. Um, I watched a documentary on okay. Netflix Ooh. called The Voyeur. Oh, is that the one about the hotel? It is. And the guy who like owned it and it is. bragged about spying on people or something? Yep. Tell me about it. Was it good? Um, it was. <laughs> it was good. You you hesitated. Well, it's good. It is a good documentary. Um, it's kind of one of these things where the subject matter is very interesting. Do you not like the people in it? I don't like the people. Like in either it. of them? No. Is it sort of like Jim and Andy in that regard? Like, yes. I love what I'm watching, but I kind of don't like who like I'm watching. Like you're both shitty people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and it kind of wants you to like. I don't know who to root for in this documentary. <laughs> Is the hero of the movie just the truth? Right, kind nah. of. And you don't even really kind of get that. Like you get basically the the gist is um, a man. Um, invest or this guy Gerald Foose, the owner of this like little motor hotel kind of place, um, started writing to this author, Gay Talese. Okay, who at the time I want to say it was in the eighties. He had started writing to him or the seventies. Um, he had uh gay talese was a pretty well-known reporter um he, he was had, a journalistic kind he, of he like was absolutely he'd written for the novel New York times yeah, okay. he'd written a book recently where he basically went inside um kind of free love the okay free yeah love he movement. was uh, i remember him having a big book about like hippie culture or something and he like basically went and lived in like uh um, commune wasn't sex it? communes yeah. and shit and like that was kind of the thing was he wrote an entire book about like the private lot, like sex behind closed doors right. kind of thing. Um, but it was very interesting because he's a reporter and he was married with kids and like still went and did this. And his wife, you know, you kind of see her for a little bit. And she was like, you know, I didn't agree with it. <laughs> I it didn't like job. any of this. Right. Um, so he kept he's telling me he had to do it for his job. He's kind of a questionable person. Um, well, then you find out. So basically this Gerald Foose dude wrote a letter to gay and was like, I really admired your writings. And I think I have a story that you'd find pretty interesting. I run this hotel and I've been spying on everybody, everybody (laughs) for years now. And I document, basically he had built out the roof of this hotel. It had a pitched roof. So he built out the attic space and installed faux vents in each room and would go up for entire days and just watch people. Crazy. His, his wife would bring him lunch. She up knew there. he was doing she it. She knew he was doing it. And he would just Why do you do something? Well, like that's that? what that's what I'm saying. And he would keep really detailed logs of everything that happened in the room. That's what a serial killer does. Right. And he would, you know, he would describe the people and he would blah blah blah. Well, 
so at first you're immediately off put right. by the fact that you're like that's just gross like right. you're just a fucking gross pervert human being yeah you know um but he kept referring to it as you know his it was basically his science like he was just fascinated by people it started off as like a sexual thing but then developed more into like these people are all my subjects and i just want to watch them and learn about the human condition okay so he tried to do it all altruistically, sure. but it's garbage. You're still just a fucking pervert. Right. Um, you can spin it however you want. So he's writing to Gay Talese, telling him all of these things, and invites Gay to come see the hotel and to go up into the space and see what he's seeing. Awesome. So Gay does it and tells no one. So that is where I immediately lose any like sort of... Like you're not of, on Team Gay at that point. No, because it's I'm just, like... You were complicit in this dude yeah. being a fucking creep. Well, now, was was his goal to, like, write a big book about it? It and that's was. that's why he didn't tell anybody? It was. And but he didn't tell anybody for 30 years. That's a long time. I didn't know it took place over that long yeah. of a time frame. So he wrote intermittently to Gay over a 30-year time span. Man, I want to do, like, write a book for 30 years and get paid for it. Right. So I meanwhile, Gay went on, wrote other things, yeah. and honestly just kept this dude in his back pocket. Like, it wasn't even an intentional, like, I'm going to wait 30 uh-huh. years. It was a, this is an interesting story. What I'll I'd like to, to do is I'd like to talk to him now, and then I'd like to see where it ends up. But I'm also like, this dude could have become a serial killer easily, and yeah. you told no one. Yeah. Now, where you really lose appreciation for Gay is at one point, Gerald Foose, in one of his letters, wrote to him and said, I think, basically, like, I think I might have been, I might have caused something bad to happen. What he what he claims that he did was, while spying on one of his rooms, it was a drug dealer. And the drug dealer was selling drugs out of the hotel room and would stash them in an actual vent in the room. And he saw it. Did he take the drugs? He did. Drug dealer thought it was somebody else. And killed, killed that person. Yeah. Yeah. You caused that murder. Right. So he went down, took the drugs, flushed them down the toilet. Drug dealer came back with his girlfriend, thought it was the girlfriend, and strangled her to death. In All the right. room. While he watched from upstairs. He watched her get strangled, called no one, then claims that he saw her breathing. Sure he did. Right. Went downstairs, found the dead body, then called the police. But it was too late. Boo. Right. Boo so you're Bruce. like, wow, you're a fucking piece of shit. Then wrote and told Gay Talese about it. Gay Talese sits on it. Doesn't tell anybody. Then I'm like, boo, you're also a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, this lady's family has no idea. Has no idea what happened. She's fucking dead. This dude has got away scot-free. He knows who the killer is. Blah, blah, blah. So you immediately lose respect for anybody involved. Then right. I'm like, I don't really care about this story because, like, you're both pieces of shit. Yeah, wherever I don't this like ends, you. I'm not going to be happy. I don't like you. I know you're both not in jail. Right. So then the weird kind of quote unquote twist of it is it all comes into question, and Gerald Foose may have made all of this up. What? Like the murder or the whole thing? A lot of it. But the place was real. The attic was real, according to Gay Talese. But unfortunately, now the hotel has been demolished. So nobody can really fact check any of this. So basically what we have is a very intriguing story 
told by two very unreliable narrators who both have their personal interests wrapped up in you believing that right. it's true. So Gay ended up writing a book called The Voyeur, of which this documentary is kind of based around, that was released to high praise, but then very quickly came under fire because other journalists like, were like, you can't, I can't fact check your book. You like, can't corroborate any of this. Right. Um, they tried to pull like death certificates from the area around that time period, and they realized that there weren't any for like a strangled woman. There was a st- woman who got strangled in a hotel like a couple miles away. Right. So they're like, maybe he just made it up based he off saw of it this. on the news. Right. To make the story more interesting. Um, then like there were weird things like uh, Gerald Foose said he bought the hotel at this time period, but it actually turns out that it was actually um, six years later that he bought the hotel. Weird. So, but he had lots of stories that were all intricately dated between this fake date of buying the hotel and this real date of buying the hotel. And, and paper. so people are like, dude, gay, you're a journalist. You could have checked all of this the same way we did and come up with a bunch of questions of, I probably shouldn't pursue this story. Right. And you um, didn't do any of that. And so that's kind of... I mean, would you recommend it? Like, is it good? I mean, it's interesting. Okay. Uh, just even telling you, I mean, it still sounds interesting, yeah. right? I mean, I kind of want to watch it. But there's no... Like, it doesn't end in a place that I care about. And, right. And I kind of, by the end of it, am like, so what did I watch this? If this is all made up... Why am I like, what do I care? You know what I mean? Like, it's not a documentary at this point. You're documenting fake shit that didn't happen. It's like American Vandal at this point. Right. But you're selling it to me as this is a true story. The reason I'm watching it is because it's available to me to stream. Right. That's the only reason that I'm watching it. So that brings me to my point regarding Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime streaming. Uh, it will even lump. I stream it all in there. They're well, not. A, I mean, they're not a competitor. Well, uh, really. Let's. I stream it all. We can add uh, Shutter. Yeah. We can add Crackle. We can kind of yep. add to it. The I Sony mean, free streaming service. Yeah. Uh, YouTube. Uh, YouTube yeah. is producing content yeah. now. I mean, so like, there's there's a bunch of these. That's kind of the thing is that it's not only a matter of that it's you know pretty prevalent in our society. We're all pretty sure. much used to it. I think everybody you know, has either seen or knows about Netflix at this point. Um, and not the uh, DVD by mail service. We're talking about the streaming service. Right. Um, that it's almost ubiquitous to watching content. And so I actually had a pretty interesting point. And like today we wanted to talk thank about. Thank you. Very, you're very humble. Thank you. No, I, I had a very interesting point. Um, number one, most humble. Um, also, my apple crumble is the most crumblest. <laughs> uh, but. They, um, star, never stop, never stop it. <laughs> um, that's my goal. Remember this season, just yell out every reference. I've realized that Netflix and Amazon <laughs> and Hulu have introduced, and this is kind of a, a weird way to put it, but bear with me here, a new form of clickbait. Mm-hmm. Stuff that I have now been tricked into watching things that I thought were one thing, and it's not. In some cases, it may not even be good. Right. But they punch it up in a way and make it flashy enough that you're like, oh, okay, like, yeah, I'll see what this is. Stuff that I wouldn't normally, I wouldn't pay to go see in the theater. Right. I wouldn't rent at a red box. But because it's on a streaming service of which I blanket pay for monthly. Right. I'm like, 
yeah, I'll dedicate two hours of my day to watch something that I may not even enjoy. Well, and that's kind of the thing is that, you know, it's a gamble that's worth it because you're already paying for it. I mean, we talked right. about this. Um, you know, you've got Movie Pass, and I don't. Sure. Um, not yet. I will. If they're going to go down this direction, I promise you they're going to have a streaming service that's VOD within a year or two. Oh, I for sure. I promise you. So for sure. we'll lump Movie Pass into all of this. But, you know, with Movie Pass, you're paying ahead of time, and you said you've walked out of movies that weren't good because. Because I put can. It, who cares? Right. Because I can. And so it's that a matter of choice. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times we've started a movie or a something on Netflix or on Amazon Prime or on Hulu and then just turned it off right? watching it. And it's 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 a weird thing because, like you said, they'll almost trick you into watching it because let's see. I think what's the report now is that Netflix is going to spend. $80 billion this year on original programming yeah. or something. You know, if even if you look back at it, Netflix puts out so many original shows, movies, whatever, every year. We only hear about five or six of Some them. Some you know? are brilliant. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got your Stranger Things. You've got your House of Cards. You've the got Crown. your Gerald's Game or The Crown. But for every one of those, there's like... 18 shows you've never heard of or 50 movies that, that are, are just like straight all of the Adam Sandler movies oh yeah that are now on there they're ridiculous just, six I mean and there's some that I can't even name because they're so buried in the catalog you know Netflix is really doing that we're gonna just put everything out there because if it doesn't matter what people watch as long as they're watching our service now where they have the benefit is, most people know that there's that much original content. Right. So if Netflix pulls something to the surface, you're trained Pavlovianly to be like, oh, well, this must be good. I should this watch this. This must be a Stranger Things. Right. This must be a whatever. Right. And so anything they want us to watch, they know exactly how to trick us into, just like you said, a new form, form of, of clickbait. clickbait. It's just like it's – Clickbait for your eyes, really. Totally. And it's so it's like, well, they're saying that it's good. And I mean, they put out, you know, a bunch of shit. So sure. this actually should be good, I guess. Well, let's bring up, you know, we'll keep harping on Netflix. We'll get to some of the other providers as well. But let's let's bring up a perfect example of this clickbait Netflix deal. Um, I would say, and although we've addressed that it's not as bad as a lot of people said it was, Bright yeah, is yeah. a perfect example. Uh, they hyped the shit out of bright. And it's mainly because they spent a lot of money on it. And they it. did spend a lot of money. And it has universally been panned yeah. as a shitty movie. Now and you and I watched it. It's it's fine. It's okay. It's not nearly as yeah. bad as some people made it out to be like it was just horribly yeah. unwatchable and whatever. Well, let me put this out there. It is better than Geostorm. Oh, fair it's enough. It's way better than High Geostorm. High praise from Jay. I know. Um, Way better. That should be on there if they ever put it out on DVD on the better, on the back. Right, better than Geostorm. J, J. high five the high podcast. Five. Yep. Um, but here's the deal. There's also been a bunch of reports where Netflix is now touting. Yeah, but it's the it's the most watched program on our streaming service, and we have things like Stranger Things right. and whatever. So for them, they're now using it as clout to say. Right. We can pretty much make people watch anything. Right. All you have to do is trust in Netflix. And well, that's kind of what you just said. Like, it's Pavlovian, and they know the the formula to say, 
okay, well, hey, watch this movie. It's great. Even if you only watch it for five minutes, you we now have digital <laughs> records showing that you watched this movie. I, have, I had this really vi- vivid visual image of me as Mowgli. Sure. <laughs> wrapped up in Netflix's car and it's going yeah. Trust in me. It's like it's like making like the eye. And you're like, and okay. like Whoa, I'm gonna watch Bright. Well, the thing is, they kind of do that because this last year they started introducing where either the trailer will just automatically start right. when you're scrolling along the street, sure. or sometimes the fucking movie will just start. <laughs> and you're like, well, I guess I'm watching this now. Or you have to stop it. But at that point, they're like, I watched Bright for two minutes. Right. It's like, no, I, I thought this was a trailer. Right. And it was the, the movie. Well, then they watched, uh, or then they released that like weird uh, list. Do you remember that? That's, that was like a data list of how many or what was the most watched things on net, mm. Netflix. Did you see this? And it yeah. was like one person watched Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, like every day. Every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw that. Which it's really, really funny when you read it like that. But having a two-year-old, you get I kind of get it. Sure. Because we watch Wreck-It Ralph almost every day. I was about to say, they would be like, obsessed with they would it. be like, this one household has single-handedly watched Madagascar 3 376 times. That's my house. <laughs> right. That's my house. I totally get it. It's right. like, and people laugh. He's like, oh, we watch a movie every day. It's like, you don't have two-year-olds because that's exactly what you do. And then I thought back to when I was a kid. I would come home from school, pop in my clamshell VHS of Jungle Book. I watch that probably every day for five or six months. Yeah. And like we make fun of kids nowadays for like watching Minions over and over again. But I did the, the same fucking thing. Main, I did the same thing growing exactly. up. Just it was more difficult. Yeah. It's <laughs> we, just, I had to get something in my hand and then and then sit down. There were just more steps. <laughs> there was. <laughs> you know. Literally and figuratively. It, right. Um, so now I know we've kind of. It sounds like we might have bashed on Netflix a little bit. But let's, no, I love Netflix. Right. Let's praise some of the things. Yeah. Speaking of original programming like they did, Stranger Things is a perfect example. Stranger Things is a show um, that has universally kind of taken the globe right by storm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, people, it is a phenomenon. Um But it's it's pretty simple show. And to be perfectly honest, it's nothing... As a matter of fact, I was going to say it's nothing cutting edge. It's genuinely not cutting edge. Yeah. It's basically just cribbed from a bunch of other things. That I like. Right. Right. That you know, I happen to like. Right. So it is something that could have easily been on a FX yeah. or whatever. But here, okay, here's the good, here's a good question uh-huh. is the relationship between Netflix and FX and all this. Because, you know, if we think back on it. You, you know, you had the K, the premium cable television shows. You know, like the HBOs, your Showtimes. That's where your great television was. You know, right. that's where they had the money to do that because people paid for those subscriptions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. You know, we we finally got some really good stuff when you know Mad Men and Breaking Bad started going on AMC. But Netflix kind of was one of those that broke the mold a little bit by saying we're going to let creators create whatever they want because the uh what uh, the ratio to success doesn't matter to us. Yeah, we'll give you 5 million dollars, do whatever the hell you want to do 
And if it's popular, great. If it's not, something else probably we'll bury will it. be. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll give some more money to David Fincher to do another House of Cards. Right. And that's why I think they've been able to sort of almost scare FX and some of those other networks. Into doing the same thing. Exactly. Because Stranger Things would not have been on television. Right. You said it could have been. Well, and it you're right. It could have it been. It could have been. It wouldn't have been. Right. And I know that because they shopped it around to all those networks first. Ah. And every network told the Duffer Brothers no, that it wouldn't work, and that it wasn't worth the money. And Netflix was like, hey, no, no, come here. Well, whatever. Do you want how much? Fine. Make it. And now it's huge, and the rest of the, you know, the networks are like, oh, Let's have a show like this. Basically, they're kind of running the the Blumhouse game. Yeah. They're doing the same thing. They it's are. kind of like we'll invest money in as many projects as we can. And if we get a Oscar nominated get out out of it, right, then we've basically just won our clout through right. this one movie. I think I read today, speaking of, and this isn't <coughs> Netflix related, but speaking of the Blumhouse model, they that is the most pro- that is one of the most profitable movies of all time. What a Happy Death mo- Day? No, no, no. Get oh. Out. Oh, Get Out. Oh, yeah, of course. Because I think the movie cost like four million dollars to make or something. Blumhouse never Ridiculous. spends over five, and for any movie, then like- it it is the highest grossing horror film of all time. Right. Other than well, I think now it's it. I think it overtook it. Yeah, because it was only like thirty-three million or thirty, you know, in the thirties. Sure, and it made who Bukudos. But yeah, it's like the most profitable film of yeah. all time. And Blumhouse is like, great. Yep. We may have lost fifteen, twenty million dollars on some of these other projects that tanked. Oh, sure. But we just made that back, and then well, a shit ton more. That's the thing. Okay, I listened to a, a podcast. I think it was Nerdist, um, where they were interviewing Jason Blum. They never lose money on a movie. That's why they're so profitable. He never spends more than $5 million to make a movie. He just won't do it. It's against their like distribution Policy. model. But then he also worked out a new distribution model with, with um, distribution companies, basically saying, um, you know, we'll, either we'll front you the money or we'll pay anything back that we don't make. Like He basically says that it's a win-win for everybody. Because their movies are almost guaranteed to make more than five. And then on top of that, the distribution costs are next to nothing. Right. And it's this model that they can make as many as they want, and they don't really have to care that much about fitting into certain molds. And here's where I think the true genius lies in in Amazon, in Hulu, in Netflix, in Blumhouse, in all of those. And I'll even throw Marvel into this, even though I know they're not a studio. Um, is they're letting creators create. It's not a matter of, well, this doesn't fit into our scientifically tested model of whatever, blah, 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 blah. It's a creator, Jordan Peele, let's use the get out sure. example, comes and says, I have this idea. This is the vision I want to do. And they said, all right, here's $5 million. Go do, do it. it. Do it your way. We'll provide you notes, of course, but do it your way, and then if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make money. Whatever. Not a big deal, because we'll have other things that will work. Sure. And that's why that's where you get a Stranger Things, because it's what they 
wanted. That's you where know, you that's get where, a get out. That's where you get a get out. That's where you get even a happy death day. That's you where know? you get a handmaid's tale. Yes, exactly. That's where you get a handmaid's tale because there's that was a scary premise for networks. Absolutely. You know? And but that one a, too, I did read, also got shopped around uh, to a bunch of networks who were like, we cannot. And make it's a that. beautifully moving show. I mean, even Manchester by the Sea, like that's a movie that, you know, uh, a Lonergan film, like, you know, Margaret or, you know, his other sure. things. Most studios wouldn't put that out because it's too niche. It's too not a lot happens, quote unquote, doesn't fit into the the big bang, the big bucks mold. Sure. But we can put it out and then it gets, you know, war nominations. And who cares about all that? But Amazon cares because then people subscribe to Amazon Prime to see that movie. That you can only see on their service. Exactly. They don't care what it is. They just care that people want to see it. Right. And that's kind of, I mean, we'll put that even using Amazon now because we've kind of harped on Netflix and this was a way to segue. Um, Amazon is now in the producing business. Oh, yeah. So they've been producing studio movies in the theater. As a matter of fact, one that I saw this year that was brilliant was The Big Sick. Oh, the I Big love, Sick I was an Amazon Studios film. Mm-hmm. They took an indie project from a relatively unknown creator, Kumail Nanjiani, right. who is big in the comedy scene, but not like uh, yeah. people aren't just going to hand him tons of money like, to oh, make whatever movie. He's the Silicon movie. Valley guy, right? Um, and he made one of my favorite, maybe rom coms of all time. It's like it's just a really good, really well done movie. And they made a lot of money off of it. Yeah. And uh, it, it got snubbed, right, Oscar-wise? Or it, it did, did get something? It, it, now it, I don't remember what exactly. I think it may have gotten one thing, maybe Best Original Screenplay, sure. maybe. Um, the actors knocked it out of the park. Oh, man, it was movie. so good. Was that so whole good. movie was so good. Um, um, but that's a perfect example. They got notoriety. So yeah. people were like, oh, and it flashed up. on. The, I even remember sitting in the theater watching it, and it comes up, and it's like, Amazon Studios. And I was like... What? Can I tell you, I love their production company opening where it's like the book yeah. that opens and then it's like the pop-ups of the town and it goes down, there's a movie studio. Yeah. I love that opening. It's like, now that sort of makes me excited. Just like when you would, would see, see Dimension. Di- or like Disney back yeah. in the day with the castle and yeah. then the... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's that type of feel now is that... Now I trust these people to do good things. I mean, Amazon, even, you know, for the past batch of years, has been doing their pilot season. Which is one of my favorite and is always the most interesting concepts to me. What that the brilliant... studio literally is just like, what do you guys want to watch? Yeah. Here's a bunch. Tell us what you like. What a brilliant we'll way it. to approach it. It's like, we're going to dedicate a, a batch of money to create X number of pilots. We're going to put all the pilots out. You tell us which one you like the best, and then we'll make make a full season. And then if that season does well, we'll do more. It's completely up to you guys. And the tick has benefited greatly from that. And now we're getting the second half of the first season Mm -hmm. next month. Yeah. And the the show is awesome. And they've already signed on for a season two. But I did see, though, that also kind of weird. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Johnson, good show, Mm -hmm. just got canceled. I love Dick. Dick. And then uh, One Mississippi, the Tig Notaro show. That one was really good. Did you watch that? Uh Uh-uh. Very good. But I think that one may have had, because it had the the producing credit Which is unfortunate because he really was hands-off on that show. Like, even Tig said he has nothing to do with it he just got us in the door and his name's on it right that so that's a bummer um but i mean it's one of those where that one's weird because every pilot from that season got picked up which is unheard of that's the i love dick 
um, Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van, Van Johnson, Johnson and, and the, the Tick, Tick were all the same year. They usually just pick one. They picked all three, and now two of them are going away. Right. Uh, but anyway, that's that's beside the point. Like streaming has gotten to be this behemoth that I think not only scares normal networks because the model is changing like it gives a reason to cut the cord if they can make things that are only available through them can i say this and i know you aren't on this in this camp yet you still have cable right yes i have been i have been cable and you know direct tv comcast anything i've been normal traditional channel free for like five years right and haven't felt like I've missed anything. You know what I mean? Like be between Hulu, which has a different model than Amazon and Netflix right. in that they offer current programming, sometimes in a lot of cases next day right. after it airs well, so on live television. Right. Then I kind of have my bases covered between the three streaming services and i think combined all together it cost me maybe 30 bucks a month 30 yeah, 40 like, bucks it's really cheap so for all of those streaming services not only do i get the original content that they create but i also get access to shows that i love and then in hulu's case i get access to next day programming to a lot not right. all but a lot of currently airing television you want me to tell shows. you why we haven't cut the cord on cable yet sure so uh <laughs> This is how much faith the cable companies have in their cable programming. Sure. The reason we haven't cut it yet is because it would if I cut out all cable and just had internet service at my house, it would save me maybe $12 a month. <laughs> like that's literally I've cuz I've talked to them about it. It's like, "Well, if I got rid of cable and we didn't, you know, do that and I just did internet, what it would be?" And they're like, "It's this." I'm like, "I only pay like 10 more dollars than that." And they're like, "Yeah." And you'd have to like return the box, and there'd be a fee for that, and it's like it would cost me more to cut ca- cut cable than to keep it. Sure. So I just keep it, which is I know what their end game is, but it's basically them tricking me into keeping cable. Sure. And you know, let's be honest, we like House Hunters, and that's you can't really stream Stream-ing, that anywhere. Streaming. You can't stream it anywhere. It is streaming. Where? Uh, hold on, I'm gonna tell you right now. You keep okay. Keep talking. But anyway, like that's that's the main reason is just we were under contract. When our contract came up for renewal, it was almost cheaper to keep cable, so we did that. It and is streaming on. Uh, I stream it all. Is it really? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, well then I'm gonna go. Watch. That's it. There we go. Cutting cable. Um, but yeah, I mean that was about it. Like there's no other reason. And and honestly, you and I've you know kind of pontificated about the future of what television is going to look like. And it really will get to a point where it's like, well, I'm going to pay $10 a month for this package of channels, or I'm going to pay, you know, $30 a month for access to this library of whatever. And, and it's going to be a piecemeal system. Right. Sure. Now, whichever conglomerate figures out a way to have you pay through them for all of that will be the ones that win the day. But I mean, we've got new streaming services coming out like Disney, now yep. is going to come out with one of theirs, which yep. here's my prediction on that. They're not going to come out with their own. They're just going to reskin Hulu, and Hulu will go away. Interesting. Because they're a majority share owner now since they bought Fox. Fair enough. So I think that's what they're going to do. They're getting that engine ready. Um, but, I mean, they're doing that. I'm sure Marvel at some point will no, no Marvel's Disney. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure other uh, other companies oh, will wait, try Oh, wait, no, they're Disney. Yeah. 
And oh, Shutter. Oh no, they're owned by Hulu. Yeah. Um, oh wait, which is also now owned by Disney. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, so Disney is going to have one. Well, Disney's also. I mean, I know we're making jokes, but literally, Hulu. Disney is a majority stakeholder in Hulu now. That's what I just said. Because they're just going to reskin right, it because of their their acquisition of Fox, which is literally I just, what I, I know, just said. But I felt like it was even glossed over oh. too much. That's massive. That's huge because. That means one of the largest conglomerates has control of basically one of the big three streaming streaming outlets Mm -hmm. and is now a direct funnel to people and can also start picking and choosing once again how content is created and what original shows they have. And and not only that is they have the majority share ownership in the code and the engine of what makes it work. People have been working on making Hulu a thing that works for for a decade right. now. And now Disney owns all that hard work so they can just plop whatever they want on top of that engine and know it will run. Right. And we which is a genius move. Oh, totally. And if their goal is to have, you know, a total Disney vault, which, you know, when you say Disney vault, you, most people just think of the the animated movies, but you've got to remember like they own ABC they own now Fox, or like a lot of it. They own the Star Wars franchises. They own the Marvel franchises. Sure. I mean, it's massive the amounts of content that they own and could just open up at any time. Oh, 100%. So it will definitely be interesting to see what they do. I mean, I can personally say that streaming has changed the way that we take in content. Like... We don't go to movies as much anymore because we have the two-year-old certified to sitter. Sure. But we will sit at home and we will just watch shows. I mean, when we had the flu, we watched the entire season four of Grace and Frankie. Wow. On Netflix because we couldn't get out of bed or off the couch. And that was a whole season of content that we took in in like – to over two days right. because we could. Right. It's not a matter of, oh, I've got to wait till next Thursday for the new episode of Home Improvement. It's, oh, I'm just going to watch all of this right now and then move on to the next thing. And I feel like, though, too, to a certain extent, that brings me to two points that I want to touch on in regards to how streaming has changed the way that we you know take in any, in any content. Um, two things I feel like have happened. One, and a perfect example was with the movie pass thing that you were saying earlier, I have no tie to any of this stuff anymore. So right. now I have to have I have to have no loyalty to any show to come back week to week. Oh yeah. I can literally stop a movie halfway through and be like, I don't give a shit about this anymore. Goodbye. Right. And on to the next thing. So it's almost made my instant gratification button even more sensitive. Oh, it's like it's if probably I, a problem. If you don't have me hooked, I don't care about right. you. Right. Even though, you know, years ago when there was no streaming and I had rented this DVD. I watched so much more crappy content just because I was like, well, fuck, I've already paid for this. Like, I already I have it. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I drove right. to the DVD rental store to rent this or the VHS rental to rent this. Right. I have it. Wow, that was shitty. Yeah. Okay. You well, know. And another thing is I used to take pride in my DVD and Blu-ray collection. Sure. Like I had it up on bookshelves it's like oh man look at this collector's edition right. of whatever and, oh this criterion collection and, and you know there are things that i i will seek out now because they they matter to me in a collector's stance but i can't tell you the last time i've bought a dvd for fun because i just know it's going to come out 
and I'm going to have access to it. And I can't it. justify it. Yeah. I'm I, the same way. You and I are very much the same way. I also had a really extensive uh, DVD and Blu-ray yeah. collection. They're in a box somewhere in our attic. Yeah. Mine are literally whittled down now thanks to CD Warehouse and being able to just <laughs> make money on my collection. It's whittled down to like one small DVD rack of just yeah. like, these are DVDs that I can't stream anywhere. Right. And that's literally become the discretion. Can I stream it? I don't need to buy it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and I used to like, that was something I took pride in. Like totally having, it's almost the same thing that Spotify for me did for CDs. I haven't bought a CD in almost a decade. Sure. Cause I've had Spotify. Why buy it? Exactly. I have access. It's all about access. For me, it was always about access. And that's the question of, of all of this is, you know, in the past, Access was, well, I've got to watch commercials so I can see the content or I can have access to it through my eyeballs. Well, NBC owns Seinfeld, so in order for me to have access to it, I have to be sitting on my couch on Thursday night and I have to watch commercials at 8 p.m. to right. watch Seinfeld. That's my access. Sure. Well, now I can pay for access and it's 24 hours a day whenever. It's almost, you know, it's almost choice paralysis, but – Having that access is what gives me security, and now I don't have to depend on a big company for it. I can pay that big company to always have it. Right. Anytime I I want it. And I think that really is a fundamental change in our – not only in like movie-watching culture, but in our society. Totally. And it really stems from a lot of just – the internet being what it is. And again, that's more access used to pay, you know, for the access to the internet to ask questions of the world or, or whatever, but that instant gratification of, well, I want that now. I don't want to wait for Thursday until Thursday to watch Seinfeld. I want to watch it right now. Along that same vein, you, you mentioned something I found very interesting in choice paralysis. There's almost, I've found too much content. Mm. There is too much for me to choose. I will literally spend 10 to 15 minutes just trying to find something to watch. And then you'll end up watching something you've already seen Yep, because it's comfortable. Yep. Because I'm like, <laughs> this is overwhelming. I can't take it. It's like, it. fuck it. I'm going to watch Megamind again. Um, so all in all, I don't, I still, I don't know how I feel about th- how streaming is changing the landscape. On one hand, I'm very excited about it. On another hand, I feel like it's almost created problems that didn't exist for me before. Oh, it most definitely You know what has. I mean? While it fixed some things and the nerd in me is like, yes, I have access to everything at my fingertips anytime right. I want it. I'm also like, fuck, I have access to everything <laughs> at my fingertips anytime <laughs> I want it. I don't know if this is good or bad. Um, all I can say is I'm very appreciative of the original content that yeah. has been ger- generated. Um, I'm intrigued to see where it goes from here. Yeah. I find, you know, every day it feels like more and more companies are aping these models because mm-hmm. they, they've been proven to work. Well, you've got like every major network now has like a CBS now sure. or an NBC anytime right. or whatever They have it is their own streaming services. That you can pay for. Now they've started creating content only for their streaming services. Yeah. Uh, CBS is a perfect example. They've That new Star Trek show, Star Trek mm-hmm. Discovery, which is actually getting a lot of rave reviews, 
is only available via their streaming service. Right. It's not even aired on television. Right. So for them, that's another they they're taking the model of original yeah. content creation, which they were already doing on their network well, show, and they have made it exclusive. Yeah. Well, Mr. Mercedes, you know, did it with the AT and T Audience Network. Right. Which is who the fuck can watch that anywhere? Like we had to watch it on a stream at all because it catches pretty much everything. Right. And that's that's kind of the crazy thing is it it creates this veil of exclusivity mm-hmm. that makes people like oh I gotta fucking watch that because it's it's only available yeah. in this place so it must be amazing. Well, it's gonna be weird. And here's my prediction: is that it's gonna sort of mirror the big three networks. Like if you think back to when television started, sure, and you had like the three big guys: ABC, NBC, CBS. Uh huh. The access, the exclusivity of it. Were, well, you had to watch that, and to do that, you had to watch commercials. Well, now we've kind of gotten rid of that idea, and now we have a big three of Hulu, Amazon, and, and Netflix. Netflix, and it's going to be exclusives, and it's going to be who has access to it, and instead of choosing between three channels, you're choosing between three streaming services, and it's going to mirror the same business model. Sure. Except without commercials. There'll be another monetary angle. Sure. So that's where that's where I'm predicting it goes. I I'm gonna I'm gonna fall in line <laughs> right with you. I think your Nostradamus like prediction is pretty. I bang think it's on. right. I think it's right. Um, but I'm but into I mean, it. Well, I mean, what do our listeners think? Like, what do you think? We've been babbling about this for a while now. Like, do are you averse to the streaming culture? Do you totally give into it? Um, do you have trepidations about where it's going where do you guys think it's do going? do you I mean, have the hulu logo tattooed on your body if you do send us a picture of that please we'll get i'm gonna if you have that. it i'm gonna send you something yeah. i'll send you something special i don't know what it is if you have a hulu tattooed on your body the hulu logo send it to us and we'll send you something for sure yeah for sure for sure you will get a piece of high five memorabilia so you know let us know we've got a lot of really vocal very smart listeners out there and i would love you guys' opinions on you know what does this mean like how is this changing the industry how what does this mean for movie theaters what does this mean for video on demand what does this mean for you know at home watching um you know what does it mean to you personally so uh let us know you can reach out to us in all of the many forms of which you will hear at the end of this episode you know rate us you know if you want on on any of those services so we can get the show to more people um, and if you want to watch some of our uh, movies that we talk about, usually on streaming services, check out Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and I stream it all. Yeah. Because, A, we want an endorsement by them because that's the future. Yeah. Uh, so please, one of, those, one of those guys, just pick us up. Don't bite the hand that streams. It's time to close the door to the writer's room once again, as this week's award-winning High Five, the podcast episode, comes to an end. Feel free to reach out to the guys with your suggestions for episode topics by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast on Twitter at high the number five the podcast Instagram at high five the podcast or on Letterboxd by searching high five 
colon, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to podcasts, and drop the show a five-star rating if you like what you hear. Even if you don't like what you hear, give us a high rating anyway. What's it costing you? Nothing. That's what we thought. See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here. Psst. Hey, you. You made it to the end of the podcast. And guess what? There's a little something at the end of the credits. And for those of you that didn't make it, go five yourself. I miss Blockbuster Video. Shut up! Meet Eddie, 18 years old. He only has two hours before he has to go to bed because he has school in the morning. But as he's searching for options of what to watch on Netflix, his conscience comes into play. All right, stop. Before you waste hours on Sharknado, they complain to your friends. You should have just played Halo. You better think of the consequence. Who are you? We're your Netflix conscience. That's nonsense. You got time. There's no need to be manic and panic. Watch Lord of the Rings or Rose and Jack and Titanic. Don't listen to him, Eddie. Don't you dare be a fool. You better be ready in six hours. Get your ass to school. How about a TV series so he can watch a ton? He can watch Sherlock. I hear that one's fun. Those are 90 minutes each. You can't just watch Watch one season, like when Sherlock dies, you gotta see the reason. Uh uh-uh. uh, spoiler alert, you just ruined it for Eddie. It's on the popular page, you should have seen it already. Then how about House of Cards? Second season's kinda lame. Nah, it's awesome, bro. The main chick is thrown in front of a train. Shh. We wasted three hours trying to decide. If he just watched Sharknado, he could have watched it two times. Okay, just watch it, let's leave Eddie B. Alright, let's do this. Oh sh, it's just DVD. And that's gonna take like a week or two in the mail, so. Sorry. Well, time to go to school. Sorry, Eddie. Sorry, bud. Can you guys give me a ride? There's too much content on Netflix. It's hard to choose what to watch next. On Netflix, on Netflix, on Netflix. Meet Robin. She's newly single and excited to enjoy an evening alone eating soup out of a plastic cup and watching movies. But as soon as she logs into her account, something wrong happens. And then her conscience kicks into play. Ah, snap, you can't watch Magic Mike right now. Yeah, looks like too many people are on your account somehow. Guess you better watch TV with f***ing commercials on Hulu. Alright, don't be brash, think who you gave your password to. Well, let's see, your mother, your brother, and who else again? We're forgetting someone. Oh yeah, your ex-boyfriend. Oh sh**, girl, how can we log him out? Just change your password, kick him off the account. Well, now it's his account, and he still pays the bill. Say what? You're a Netflix moocher? You're making me ill. He's right, Robin, you gotta get your own login. Move on with your life and hop on that toboggan. Toboggan? What are you doing, man? It's it's a, it's like a sled type thing. Yeah, I know what it is. It just doesn't make any sense with the song. You know, toboggan of life. Yeah, it's... you are obviously just trying to find a rhyme for login. Uh, pff, pff, n- nuh-uh. Idiot. Toboggan of life. Don't mind him. There's too much content on Netflix. It's hard to choose what to watch next on Netflix. Meet Rudy. 
He's invited Bertha over for Netflix and chill and now has to find the perfect movie so that he can make out with her. When suddenly, his conscience comes into play. This oughta be easy, this dude is a smoothie. But Rudy's gotta be smart when he's choosing the movie. Yo, what about the notebook? Nah, she'll catch on to your ruse. It's been a decade since that move was first used. Then we'll need something boring. Then she'll fall asleep. A thoughtful documentary? She'll get too sad and she'll weep. How about smash the movie then? Who? Stupid. Let's just turn it off and kiss her Make sure the lights are down So she won't question your lip blister Yo, slow it down, no need to rush We can try a Ford film to impress a sweet crush Ah, quit being pretentious, man No one wants to read Well, maybe we should ask her what she wants to see So, uh, what do you want to watch? How about Sex in the City? Damn, that's not on here What should Rudy do? Looks like we had to buy that shit off iTunes Nah, dummy, that show's on HBO now But that's 15 bucks a month We're not a cash cow Let's just take a step back And look what this is really about Yeah, why are we spending this much Just to make out? Rudy, stop thinking with your goblins Start using your noggin And just slide with the man Hop on life's toboggan Oh my god, that, no, it doesn't work That's a real phrase No, it isn't It's cool, man you No, I haven't heard of it before who are those people? I don't know. So, what do you say we make out and slide down life's toboggan? <laughs> oh, Rudy, <laughs> you have such a way with words. <laughs> do you still want to watch Netflix? Nah, there's nothing good on there. <laughs>